Shweta Saraf is the Director of Engineering Networking at DigitalOcean. She manages a team of 30 engineers all across the world from her home in San Francisco. Before working at DigitalOcean, she had never worked in a remote environment at all. So we'll talk today about how that transition went for her, how she manages so many engineers effectively when you don't even see them face to face every day. And we'll talk about some special things that DigitalOcean does to make their remote employees feel like they're part of the team. A little teaser is it involves snacks and coffee sent as care packages. So stay tuned. As you know, Building Remote Teams is a brand new podcast. And to celebrate our launch, we have some really awesome discounts to give you from some of our favorite tools for remote teams. We have discount tools for 1Password, Donut, Hey Taco, Carrot, BirthdayBot, KarmaBot, and a ton more. All you need to do is to go to buildingremoteteams.com and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link to the page with all of the recommended tools and discounts that I mentioned above. Now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Building Remote Teams. I'm here with Shweta Saraf from DigitalOcean. Shweta, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to talk to you. Awesome. I'm really excited to have you. So where where in the world are you physically located right now? I'm located in sunny California and specifically in the San Francisco Bay Area. San Francisco Bay Area. And where where are we talking to you from? Are you in a co-working space? Are you at home? Are you at the office? So I'm in my home office and this is where I spend most of my time when I work remotely for my job. Okay, great. And then what do you see when you look around you? What's what's in your what's in your home office? So I have a nice leather desk. I have a printer, a monitor, and of course my laptop. There's also a bed here because it's a guest bedroom when I'm not using this room. But the most interesting thing that people would remember about my calls is that we have a train track not too far from here. And occasionally we do get interrupted by trains moving fast. <laughs> and it, it's kind of a nice thing because now people don't mind it it's it's like they expect it and it's a bit of a funny interrupt during long meetings sure so you've got your team there and they're like okay everyone one sec we just gotta wait for Sweda's train to pass yeah and sometimes the moment is so perfect it's like you know I had to take a pause or I'm talking through a meeting and maybe that it kind of reminds me actually to take a pause and especially in remote culture listen and make space for others to speak up as well Cool. Okay. Well, tell me a little bit about your role at DigitalOcean. Are you remote from your team? How many people on your on your team? A little bit about that. Definitely. So I'm currently the head of software networking at DigitalOcean in the engineering department. So I've been here with the company for a little over three years. And when I started the company, it was half the size, which is around 200 people. I was the first one in California in leadership management role. And I, I went from working in an office in my previous job to being completely remote with DigitalOcean. So, yes, I am remote and I have my teams spread across five time zones throughout U.S. as well as uh, Europe and India. Wow. So, OK, so you're the first person to be hired in the, in, on the engineering leadership side in California, because the office is in New York City, I think. Yeah, right? so when we started, definitely we have a beautiful office in Soho in New York City with a, with a great view of Empire State and, you know, the Ground Zero building. 
uh, Freedom Tower. So New York was our uh, key office, but ever in last three years, we have actually expanded to have an office in Palo Alto, Cambridge in Boston, Berlin, Germany, as well as a WeWork space in Canada and as well as in India. So we, we have five physical locations at this point. Okay, amazing. So what about your personal remote like life? We'll talk about how you manage people in a sec. But how so so let's talk about your personal remote life. So do you have to go to the Palo Alto office frequently? Do you go to to New York City? What's kind of the rhythm of when you physically see people or maybe you don't at all? Sure. I mean, I do uh, physically see people quite often. So uh, let me recap a bit. So uh, because this kind of illustrates how we grew as a company too, right? So the times when we didn't have Palo Alto office, I actually used to get all my team members once a month into this open air cafe near Levi's Stadium. And we used to sort of use that time to brainstorm, work on planning and also have some time to just code things up. So we have been doing that for a while. And since Palo Alto office opened sometime in 2018, we, we do have the option of going there regularly as often as a couple of times a week to whenever there are some events like happy hours or all company meetings. So personally for me, I have been going to office once in a while when my rest of my team is there or there is some event and what I really love about is there's no pressure for me to go there every day with a long commute that I have to get there. Hmm. Instead, I use that time to really be more productive and more effective and maximize my availability across the five time zones I have. So, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of travel too, like I, I used to go to New York every two months and it, it was pretty much like I had the empowerment to figure out my travel schedule. Like, of course, there were a few team offsites which were planned. But apart from that, I, I was really right. empowered to make a decision as to when I want to travel and when I can uh, nice. stay back. Nice. How did your that transition work for you from working in a traditional office like Cisco into working from home? Yeah. Effectively, you know, from Friday to a Monday, presumably. Yeah, that's a great question. And frankly, I spent a lot of time talking to different people at DigitalOcean about this before I made a decision to join. And I, I was someone who used to manage a large team at Cisco and walking the hallways was something I did every day and enjoyed that style of, you know, management and interacting with people. So when I made the transition, initially it was hard to wrap my head around this. I did the classic thing, which probably most of remote people do is did not set my work hours. So I ended up working very long hours and not having boundary between when the work starts and when it ends and when my personal family time starts. So the initial phase was hard, but once I got used to things and got advice from my fellow remote co-workers who had done this longer than me, one of the things that they strictly told me is block your lunch and make sure you put your working hours because it's, it's very easy to not have any boundaries when you're working at home. So I think over over the last three years, though, I love remote work so much. And I, I, I really think it will be now hard for me to go back to office full time. Yeah, I think that's a very common thing for people who have gone remote and really embraced it and gotten used to it that, yeah, the commute all of a sudden it seems so, so not. Well, I think it's not for everyone, but it seems so much 
well, the opposite of worthwhile, like worthless, I guess, because they can see how productive they are at home, presumably. And I think the research, the research that I've seen is that people are more productive at home, but the downside is they do work longer hours because people don't look at the the clock in yes. the same way, right? Where normally you either have to carpool or you want to catch a particular train. So you have to leave at a particular minute when you're at home, right? You're like, oh, you know, I'll just take my one hour lunch and then I'll just get back to work. And then it's after dinner and it's like, well, you know, I want to get these things done. And so I think it is harder to make those balance. Yeah, sure. so you're very right. And, you know, that reminds me, I was just reading a tweet today which shared some research around how uh, if you're working remotely for your entire life, for example, you're saving at least 10 years. Whoa. Like 10 years of, of the Yeah, like time. total 10 years equivalent of the time you would have worked. So <laughs> that is huge. Oh, I mean, imagine wow. the stuff you could be doing or investing in your own personal development or family during that time, right? Yeah. <laughs> or just sleeping, really. It might be kind of my... Yeah. My, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Okay, so that was your own personal transition to remote. How how then did you transition to managing, I guess, a large number of people now? How many how many people do you manage at DigitalOcean? I have thirty five people who report to me. Thirty five people, truly all over the globe. So, how did you transition from walking the halls to you know very interactive daily engagement with your with your team to doing remote were you able to find an equivalent that kind of matched your management style i i think i think yes right mostly it has been really positive and i'll uh, share a bit more color on why i say this right so i think many companies support telecommuting but when you really think of a remote first culture it takes a lot of hard work to make it successful to make it uh, really good and for people to find their groove with it right so for me personally, the experience was I started with a small team of three people and most of them were on the East Coast <laughs> and I was here on the West Coast. So getting comfortable with Slack because Slack was something uh, I was not used to at my previous job. But once I started it, I mean, there was no looking back. So the most, uh, you know, the most cool thing that uh, the vibe that we created in the team and we had going was even if two people sat next to each other in the office, they would dump everything on the Slack, whether it is their thought process or an update. So the third or fourth person on the team who was not physically co-located never felt that they are missing out or they are not having this you know connection with people and are always catching up so i think that was very fundamental that even people in office were used to the remote culture practices and really championed that by using slack as the primary means of communication now how did that happen where they would post things in public because I've been in companies or I've seen companies where it's mostly direct message, right? It's like, oh, hey, they've got this question they've got this little announcement thing. I'll mm -hmm. send it personally to the individual. And it's like, hey, like this would be great for everyone to know or other people might have insight into this as well. How did they get to a place where they were comfortable kind of sharing it in in these semi-private channels? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And I think that was the major shift in transition for me uh, with managing people remotely too, right? Like DigitalOcean is huge on open and transparent culture. And even at the top level, the executives share with the entire company, the state of the business, the finance numbers and addressing really? Yeah. Wow. It happens every two weeks, uh, very regularly. And the C every two weeks, not even quarterly or 
anything no no we have this session called uh, ama which is ask me anything and the senior exec leadership really does a great job of transparently sharing with every person even if that person is intern and really here for 10 weeks uh, they they have access to all our dashboards so since that is kind of foundational uh, how people got to that point is by like diligent consciousness that we are this open culture we don't feel that there's anything to hide so even if it's a brainstorming idea people put it on slack and people know that there's no judgment around this it's not like people are calling it real and of course when we uh, had to have more work around planning or committing to some dates those things we took it on a google doc or a hangout so that there is some kind of dialogue before we share it on the uh, the public channel right but it was kind of a unsaid rule which came mm-hmm. through because of this open culture that all technical decisions thoughts ideas will stay in public channel wow so i think it's a two-sided coin you said where if as you're posting things in the chat like there's no judgments right where it's where the opposite of that would probably be vulnerability i think where if people are are, are not going to judge you or rather the opposite for first is you're sharing something you're being vulnerable with hey here's my crazy idea it could be totally stupid and people could go ahead and stomp all over it mm-hmm. but you're saying that uh, but people actually don't don't judge it or, and they just kind of will like just yeah. How, yeah i guess how do they respond to, to like a dumb idea and not crush this person's vulnerability where they will not next time be willing to post this in a public forum Mhm I think there are two things I want to say here right like first of all at DigitalOcean one of our values is to speak up and to listen when others do so it's really encouraged for people to say what's on their mind and others are respectful and even if they don't agree with something they give others the respect of hearing things out and uh, you know responding in a way which is not hurtful So the second point is uh, we don't believe there are any dumb ideas so say for example if there's a newbie and they want to post something which is probably a common knowledge for someone who's around for 6 months or a brand new idea then mm-hmm. typically the way i see it go is that uh, generally the tech lead on the team or a senior engineer on the team jumps in and provides some constructive feedback or you know we also do these one on one pairing sessions so if someone feels that this person is going in a totally opposite direction then they offer them to sort of you know sit down with them and do this kind of a pairing session so that they could work Mm-hmm. so that's how it works I, and yes i mean sometimes we have had incidents where the, the disadvantage of this whole thing right the whole non verbal side of it like sometimes on slack uh, with your choice of words the tone is something you can't really judge right and people can right. perceive it as someone trying to be rude or uh, attacking you and there have been instances where that has happened and when that happens i think it's really the team and uh, specifically managers responsibility to have a chat with this individual give them that feedback that this is how your thoughts are perceived and then encourage them to have like a hangout or zoom or meet in person if that's a possibility to you know work on that relationship and communication sure and that's the next level because then you're able to get the whole context of the communication not just the textual one you can see their body language and you can understand the tone 
giving you a better idea of what the real intention and the heart behind what per- this person was saying, I guess, yeah. to really clarify that. Yes, yes. What else did you find that you that you implemented or that you have, or maybe just generally that happens in general motion when you manage, you know, 35 people? You mentioned one-on-ones. Is that something that you do regularly with your yeah. people? And- yeah, so I have three managers and they have their own teams as well as two architects who are part of my direct staff. And I do uh, mm-hmm. meet with them every week regularly in a one-on-one session. At times, I try to even meet them uh, for coffee if they are local. So, uh, and that is the same thing that my managers do with their direct reports. They meet them at a regular cadence and make sure that this one-on-one time is spent. And at times I also do skip levels where I catch up with people on the org, make sure I have a pulse on how they are feeling, they are happy, if there are any challenges. And then the same thing happens even above my level where we have execs hold kind of round tables uh, once a quarter with the team where the team has an intimate setting to talk to the execs and uh, share their thoughts. Nice. What does a one-on-one look like for your team uh, for, for, you know, that you have with your, with your team members? Because I think it can take a lot of different forms and it's a bit ambiguous, I think, what that, what that yeah. means, just saying one-on-one. So maybe can you walk us through maybe what, what it would look like when you meet with one of your employees? Yeah, definitely. So like with I've, I have seen two formats which kind of work with most of my team members and some people gravitate towards one versus the other, right? So I have some people on my team who are very, very organized and we have like a running document of agenda items where the either person can add topics throughout the week as as they think of it or as it comes to their mind. I mean, they don't have to necessarily wait for a one-on-one, but uh, some people just prefer to have a list of things that they want Mm. to talk to. And I always encourage them to, you know, I mean, for me, the way I view this is, this is the time for them more than Mm. me, right? Like we do have other status meetings and things where I I can follow up on uh, business priorities, but this is the time where I want to make sure I'm listening to what challenges they are going through. And then the format they adopt is, hey, this is something that's going on and, you know, I'm working on it. So it's more like I want you to be aware versus at times they will be like, this is something I'm working on and I could use your help Mm. here. So to me, empowering them is extremely important. And that's why I I have them kind of direct how a one-on-one should proceed. The other format I have seen is where we don't write things down, but we are always in sync as to what's the next thing. So we are spending time on few urgent hot fires, but we are also talking about strategic things which are not, not of immediate urgency. We are talking about people and their development and also specifically this individual's development as to you know what are the things they are doing to really ensure that they are getting opportunities to grow and how can i help position that for them great yeah that's really useful Um, there's lots of really good resources out there on how to conduct kind of these these employee initiated one-on-ones where they talk about the challenges they're experiencing and I can link to some of those in the show notes. One thing that you brought up before we talked that you're excited about is how remote can enable enable inclusivity within companies. Do you want to touch on what you mean by that? 
Sure. So basically, when we look at uh, inclusion and diversity, it's a big problem in tech industry right now. And most of the time, it really takes commitment from leaders to invest in building a diverse pipeline, making sure your practices are aligned with, you know, making interviews more inclusive, having all kind of representation on your team when you're interviewing and all of those things. So I do feel remote culture can play a big part in this because now you don't have to restrict your search to a certain geography. Mm. And then you no longer have an excuse that, hey, I can't find, for example, many women leaders or women engineers in this area. You know, you can Mm. really hire people from anywhere. And that's why uh, you, I mean, f- from my perspective, like one fourth of my team is actually women, women engineers and women leaders. Wow. So great. Yeah, this was possible because uh, we did have the commitment to work harder on sourcing a rich pipeline, working with my recruiting team, but also because we were able to hire them, not just in San Francisco Bay Area or New York, but really we have people in Texas. I have one woman engineer who's a digital nomad so she will be in a different country and will have different time zones throughout the year but is absolutely committed to her deliverables and has been part of the company and very successful for a while now so how does so talking about hiring women in remote what's the connection between the two is it just that you now have a lot more candidates that you can pick from and so the probability of having just better quality candidates who are typically underrepresented or or is there something else to it that, that I'm not that I'm missing I think there is more to it definitely the pipeline numbers uh, start looking better immediately when you open up your search but mm-hmm. the important thing is uh, for a woman right it is important that uh, you know they have the flexibility when needed mm-hmm. to not spend time in a hour and a half long commute or spend that time on their own development or with their family or doing whatever they want like travel Mm -hmm. right and I mean this is important for every individual not just for man or woman but typically we see when women start their families and they have to take care of young children it's always a constant struggle on a day-to-day basis as to when do I get home, what do I make for dinner. And I do think that by opening up this remote work option, they, they get a lot more relaxed. They put in a lot more and all the time that they save, they really feel like they can have a rich life. Like they, they are they become truly happy and in turn they can give a lot to their company versus when I see in many big companies, they do sometimes they do a good job of getting women in, but retention mm-hmm. is a big problem. Like women start dropping out once their family grows or they feel like they're hitting a ceiling and there's no longer growth opportunities. Yeah, I can totally identify. So I'm married and we've got three kids. I work from home, but my wife works, you know, 10, 15 minute walk from work. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost, you know, there's almost no commute. And I, I know that she struggles with that idea of, hey, what happens if I do have to commute for an hour? Like, what does that happen for my family life? And and just, and separate from that, even like the, the internal struggle that she has, I think, it, uh, you know, I think as a woman, just that whole pressure to maybe stay at home with the kids, at least we feel that sometimes in our, in our, in our community. 
and versus you know working on her career and she's she's very career focused but there's always that pressure and try to figure out how how can she do do both i don't feel that same pressure and the men that i talk Mm -hmm. to don't feel that same pressure of like hey how can i stay home more and and work more i mean if they want to stay home it's usually not because of the kids yeah (laughs) um you know i want to play video games more certainly that's my case uh but but yeah so i could see that that would be really helpful in fact i know someone who's part of this organization i think called like moms who code or something where Mm -hmm. they're trying to they're starting their new career after they've become uh become parents and trying to start coding to try to find remote jobs which i think is fantastic because it does lend itself really well yeah uh, absolutely And, you know, mm-hmm. we also partner with an organization called Power to Fly, which is... Uh, oh, what's that? So it is dedicated to improving uh, inclusion and diversity in tech environment and especially for remote work, right? Like they themselves are completely remote and they partner with many companies to open up remote work as well as local opportunities for women and hold a lot of webinars and in-person events to really put companies in front of women who are looking for opportunities where people really care about the individual and not just do lip service. Wow, that's cool. I've never heard of that. I'm going to look at that after the show. Very interesting. Very cool. Tell me about why you think remote is the future of work. Yeah, I mean, if you look at all the research and stats, uh, we can clearly see that, you know, the, the in this era, people are normalizing the ability to work remote and telecommute, right? People are no longer looking at a nine to five job or trying to judge you for leaving early from the job as long as you are committed and you get your work done and you're awesome at it, right? Mm-hmm. So... To companies, this means access to a wider pool of talent as well as, you know, not investing in office space and everything that goes in with uh, supporting an employee in office. There's a lot of savings in that matter. And what, what I feel truly is the biggest benefit is happier workforce, which is motivated to give their best. So remote is really a very powerful tool that companies should look at and really get it right, which could really save them a lot of money and build a strong culture of work. Totally. Now, DigitalOcean, it just struck me now, is is very remote friendly, and yet they do have a number of offices all over the world. What is the you know, what's the purpose for that? Yeah, so this is something our CTO likes to call the hubs and spoke model. Right. So as we are already 500 plus uh, strong at this point and we will grow in the future. So as we hire more, for example, uh, fresh grads, I mean, there is we know that uh, fresh grads usually enjoy coming to office and they want someone uh, who can be their mentor in those early years of mm-hmm. career. Plus, uh, while you want to attract remote crowd, there is uh, there are a lot of people who can't work from home or don't have the ability to go to a co-working space or just can't jive in that environment. So the, the way we see our offices are we are positioning them for people who want to go to office and work from there or come there uh, at a certain frequency, but really geared towards the fresh grads and even uh, teams like, uh, you know, customer sales and account teams where they do do like to work together and like to sit in one place and uh, at times even invite customers to check out our products. So that's what we are trying to cater to. Okay. So it's really... Uh, is it really dependent on their 
on their des- on the individual's desire for how they want to work. It sounds like, or maybe some are like, "Hey, your sales, you're in the office for all of these, you know, presumably good reasons." Right, and you know, Digital Ocean does a great job of supporting both kind of lifestyles, right? Like, if you are in New York office or any other office, they provide you with a metro pass every month, so oh. commute is covered. And similarly, if you are remote, they will cover for a co-working space or your internet because I mean, they they do want you to find a co-working space if 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 at home situation is not gonna work out. They have snacks in the office, but they also send a a custom made snack box to all the remote employees you know so no no they said remote they said snacks to your house yes i wish i could show you the box it just arrived today for this month we even get coffee delivered for all remote employees because uh, i mean oh. obviously I, that's what i'm trying to say like they truly account for the remote experience and everything they plan and do i mean things like snack coffee but also like celebration of big events like hackathons uh, are remote friendly we can have remote in office teams also when we have major celebrations like for example thanksgiving all remote employees are also getting a pie sent home for thanksgiving what yeah come on that's amazing it is it is wow. amazing like you you do feel like you know this is a people first remote first company and it's a it's a food first company it sounds like really. yeah food is important good food is important wow good food's important i'd love it if you could post some pictures uh we can put them in the show notes maybe of your, sure. of your snack box yeah I, yeah, yeah that'd be great yeah awesome to change gears a little bit i want to talk about managing engineers you know i'm a software engineer i've been doing it for well a long time like <laughs> for so six effectively uh-huh. basic so are, are are they are there different nuances to managing you know deeply technical people that maybe stereotypically are more introverted than managing other types of people like sales or a marketer that maybe you've you've found but maybe you've only managed engineers i'm not sure yeah. Yeah, I've been ma- mainly managing engineers. I've, I've been in engineering for the longest time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there are subtle differences. Like what I have noticed is engineers really want to be motivated and empowered with a purpose, right, to achieve the goals and have an impact. And once you clearly communicate to them what this is, you they really don't want to be disturbed or it's almost like, yes, tell me why is this important? What is it that you're expecting? Leave the how to me. I'll figure it out. You know, that's how I see. Now, do you feel that's different than other than other than other people like a marketer or a sales? I think that person? every person uh, definitely wants the space and empowerment to do their work. But I've seen in marketing or sales, or there's a need to kind of uh, do more regular checkpoints, have a pulse on the team, and have collaboration on a frequent basis right versus in engineering there is a need to go off and do some deep thinking or write up code and do a a prototype and then come back and get feedback do code reviews most engineers hate meetings without agenda so also uh, want to work on minimizing (laughs) meetings and one thing i hear frequently from my senior engineers architects is that the context switch, right? Because uh, these folks are 
architects and they are expected okay. to have their fingers into multiple projects multiple areas uh, current problems future problems so what they value the most is like a block of time where they are undisturbed so that they can crank out code or, or come up with a document or design or things like that so the way i feel works best when you manage remote teams is be very clear on uh, what is the impact that this team is having that individual is having what is the uh, accountability and expectation from this engineer and then give them time to work on things and uh, minimize the checkpoints as as much as possible until you get into like a production rollout mode when everyone knows the heat is kind of turned up mm, that makes sense Tell me, tell me a little bit about like the life cycle and how people engage with kind of feature requests and that whole kind of pipeline of, of how you decide on features, how you review features, code reviews, that type of thing. Right. So we do a bunch of things on the planning side. Uh, we have excellent uh, TPMs who, uh, with whom we work on a quarterly planning basis. So that's a technical product manager, yes, is that right? Yes, a technical program manager, uh, actually. Program And manager, we do okay. have a product manager as well. So the engineering product as well as design support and the TPM org work together at the beginning of the quarter to determine what are the goals based on our priorities as a business and come up with a list of things that the teams are going to focus on. Once that happens, the EM and PM work closely with the team to nail down the scope of the deliverable and set some metrics which account for what success looks like, like whether it's adoption or uh, increasing revenue or, you know, like uh, achieving a specific goal, which this feature will mm -hmm. lead towards. So once, once that happens, then the whole sprint planning cycle kicks in where every two weeks, the senior tech leads and the managers and PMs sit down and do the grooming exercise and the team then starts picking up tickets and delivering them. So during this process, we also have support org and the PM org who circle back with any feedback from mm -hmm. customers and we try to make sure whether it's a bug or a feature request, we evaluate that and uh, make space for it as, as deemed mm, urgent. Amazing. Last question. What is your favorite gadget or tool at home that is the most critical thing for your, for your daily remote life that you just can't live without, apart from your laptop? <laughs> oh, that's easy. It has to be my Jabra speaker. This is something my then manager sent me when I started remote work because I'm in meetings the whole day and I really don't like wearing a clunky headphone or having AirPods uh, sticking to my ear the whole day. So this is a very good uh, speaker which uh, has a great microphone and it works well. I even carry it if I'm uh, going to some location and working from there because I just don't like something in my uh, ears all day long. Okay, so you're saying you have no headset right now? No, I don't have a headset. It's a very compact Jabra microphone speaker thing, wow. which is what you see in some of the small conference rooms. Wow, this sounds, okay, I'm very surprised. So you, right now you're, you have no headset on, you have this little disc thing. This is the Jabra Speak uh, 510, I can tell from, from our recording thing. And it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. it's, I, there's no background noise. Wow, okay, this is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do send it to all my managers because I know that they are in frequent meetings and this is a lifesaver. Wow. Okay. That's great. That's wow. That I'm, I'm blown away that you do not have a headset on. Shweta, this has been really, this has been really great. Thanks for your time. 
Thank you for having me and I'm looking forward to chatting with you more in the future. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, hey everyone. So from Shweta and Jevin, thanks a lot for listening to Building Remote Teams. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Hey listeners, we're really trying to get the message out about how remote teams can be so awesome. If you found this podcast helpful, would you take 60 seconds to leave us a review in iTunes? It helps us rank to have more people learn about this show, and it helps us know which content is the most helpful. As a thank you, I'll try to read every review on the show and give you a shout out. Thanks a lot.